Hello, and welcome to The Trumpet, the official podcast of Elephant Room Productions. As always, I'm your host, Robert Jean Pelleccio, and I have a very special guest with me today, Titus O'Neill, uh, returning after our workshop of Peace LA in... I'm saying that right, right? Yes. All right, in November. Uh, one more bit of specialness to me with this podcast. We are recording from Bloomsburg University, where not only is Titus a student, but as you know from previous episodes, most of the company, including myself, uh, graduated from. So it is incredible to be back here, to be doing theater at the place that prepared me for the world. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on today, Titus. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, just to kind of start you out, um, can you tell me a little bit about your theater background? Well, I started out, um, mostly in, in church. My brothers did a lot of like little skits and such in church. So as I got older, I did that with them. And then in high school, I did a couple straight plays, usually comedies and just kind of decided that I didn't really want to pursue anything else in college because the workload didn't sound fun. <laughs> so I decided Fair. to go for acting. Um, so then I chose Bloomsburg because it had a good program and it was a little cheaper. So <laughs> Yeah, I, that, that kind of weighed on me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the kind of, I've said this before, but I love the various areas you can explore here. You yeah. get much more... You get a little bit less of a traditional audition experience because of how small the university is, but because of that, you get your hands in so many other areas. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned acting. Where Where is your primary hat? Are you an actor first, playwright second, or everything kind of come together in one? I currently, my biggest interest is actually to pursue directing. Um, I was going to ask you that, too, if you have directing experience under yeah, your belt. I've, I've actually done a little bit of everything while I've been here. Like I, like you were saying, it's very well-rounded, and I have certainly tried to exploit that in this department. Yeah. Um, I've done a few set designs. I've done a sound design, lighting design, um, as well as I, I've been working in the, our scene shop. Uh, building the sets and also setting up all the lights for every show we've done. I've been doing that for three, three and a half years or so since I've been here. Um, so I've done all that. Uh, I, I love writing and I love playwriting and my heart will always be with acting, but I also, it, it's it's hard to really choose one thing specifically that you love to do. And being a multifaceted artist is just so incredible to have that experience. So what was the first experience you had? It doesn't necessarily have to be here, but the first kind of of out-of-the-comfort-zone theater experience. Um, Yeah, I mean, you said you primarily started out acting and started exploring. Did you do that here, or was there an experience that before here that led you to think, oh, there's more to theater than just being on the stage and saying lines? It it was definitely here at Bloomsburg. Um, I went to a few actual high schools and they were always, they were tiny. We didn't, we had like no budgets or anything, you know, it was all completely. Oh boy. I know nothing about that. Um, So (laughs) came from a high school where the, uh, the unintended tradition was to build the set the day of the show. And no, I did not say finish the set. (laughs) I said built. Yeah. So when I, I mean, growing up in church, you know, everyone's just happy that you're doing something. Um, And then, uh, in high school, it was kind of just, you know, there, there wasn't really any, I don't, I don't want to say competition, but, you know, there, 
was very little interest, so there wasn't very many people to, you know, build you up, and like I said, there, there wasn't much technical stuff to it, so I think the real eye-opener for me was when I first showed up to Bloomsburg, I worked on the the co-production with the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble of, oh, okay. of Flood Stories 2, and I worked as an assistant stage manager, so, you know, I just instantly was thrown into the world of backstage and what all truly goes on with, like, tech was completely lost to me in high school. We- weirdly enough, that was uh, kind of my first foray as well mm-hmm. at this university. I was the assistant stage manager for uh, Wit, uh, directed mm-hmm. by the late Michael Collins, and I remember, I, th- I believe I had auditioned for it um, and had just put down various roles, uh, performance roles, or behind-the-scenes roles as kind of other options. So it was definitely a lesson in how not to be an assistant stage manager at times, um, which is why you do it here and not out there. Um, but no, I definitely really love that we get those opportunities Absolutely. to you know yeah. get our feet wet. So how long have you considered yourself a playwright? How long have you been writing? Um, pl- writing plays, it's only been... I believe since my sophomore year in college. Um, I've always, when I was growing up, it was always my dream to be a writer, and I thought, you know, like short stories, novels, that kind of thing. Um, So I've always dabbled here and there in writing a little story or writing um, like a poem or something, and uh, in church I would write occasionally, you know, I would kind of script out the scripts, the the skits that we were doing. Um, But my sophomore year was, was, I took, playwriting with David A. Miller, and from there I just, you know, I, I like I said, I love writing, so I just kept trying to take it to the next level and the next level, so I actually have, I have a, uh, a one-act play that's about 60 minutes long that we actually performed here. Oh, nice. So what's your preferred style of writing um, piece? The, what, the show we're going to talk about soon, the one that we're workshopping now, is definitely a little more heavy-handed in the drama element but there are there's some laughable moments in it that we found do you tend to write more one genre where other elements will come into it like drama or comedy or do you kind of go back and forth between full comedies full dramas i think honestly i'm still kind of learning what my real voice is because when i started out i i just have always kind of wanted to do comedy and write about comedy and I wrote initially in the playwriting class, we, which then I was able to have staged readings of two of the three plays that I wrote in playwriting. Um, two were comedies and one was uh, a drama. And in truth, the drama that I wrote was absolutely horrendous. It was just yeah. a, kind of a train wreck. But the comedies, you know, were kind of a hit. So I thought that was my forte. And then I wrote the one-act play that we then staged, and that was, I mean, not at all, like, in the world, in the realm of this play, Pisa Lay, but it was, it had an otherworldly sense to it, and it was more of realism, kind of-ish, and dr- dramatic, not necessarily, it certainly was not a comedy. So I think I'm leaning more into that, but I also do, I really love comedy, so I think I kind of am trying to find that balance of the two. Well, what about for directing or acting? Is it the same answer, or do you have various areas of theater where you prefer one style over another? I think directing is definitely the same. I'm, I'm finding more 
drama is more of what I'm f- starting to pursue, but I still I love the comedy. I just feel as a director, I don't I'm not necessarily finding the depth in comedy that I find in drama, and I know there is that depth to comedy, but I'm you know trying to find that still. Uh, as an actor, I think I just I love I truly love doing comedies, and uh, we're actually in rehearsals right now for Harvey, in which I'm playing Elwood P. Dowd. So that's a lot of fun. That is really exciting. That is a very bizarre character yeah. and a very bizarre play that, for some reason, works and mm-hmm. still works today. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just maybe it's because I have an affinity for rabbits, but it's 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 insane. Um, well, it's interesting. What I find is that you said you were writing poems and stories and stuff. I have interviewed other playwrights before, and I've never thought to ask what their inspiration was for moving to playwriting, because usually it's just the natural progression. We've workshopped one of their plays. Uh, We want to talk about their playwriting. So what was the leap for you that took you from writing poems and stories, short stories, to writing scripts and writing dialogue between people? Um, I think it was... The, the obvious answer is that I was now pursuing theater as a career, so it just seemed logical to start writing for that. But I also just, when I would write little stories or whatever, you know, it's always, to, to a writer, I think it's always playing out in your head no matter what. So it just seemed logical to bring it to life in that way. All right. And before we start talking about Peace LA, can you first... Give us a little bit of a setup to this play, kind of the inspiration behind it, and what the overarching story is, and then give us a quick setup for the scene we're about to hear. Um, so, how do you describe Pizale? <laughs> um, it's it's been described multi- a few times to me as um, a futuristic Greek drama, and I think that actually is very very fitting for the play. Um, it's, it's set in this world, this totally other world, with these characters that are, seem to be the last people alive. And so it's sort of your journey through, with them through their last moments, or maybe not their last moments. You know, it's something that you're learning. And it, it speaks a lot about human nature and what is that, the, the biological impulses to survive and what that brings out in different people. Um, Inspiration-wise, I've tried to recall, I guess, what my inspiration was, and I, I don't really know. I've always had a fascination with stars, which is ironic because the idea of going to space is terrifying to me, and I hate <laughs> watching movies about space or anything. But um, I'm fascinated by the stars, and where I grew up, it was you know, almost like Montana, you could see the Milky Way and everything in the summer, and it was beautiful. So something in me just, in the the time that I started writing this, thought of the idea, when you can't see any stars, like, there's just absolutely nothing, and sort of the hopelessness that comes along with that, and that kind of drew me to this. Um, The the characters-wise, I have been fascinated by the idea of the older brother because I grew up with eight older brothers and I've always 
you know, some of them were more like best friends to me. Some of them were more like almost a guardian to me and, you know, like tutors in the ways of life. So I've always, I've written a couple other like little bits that haven't really gone anywhere about brotherly bonds and that idea of, you know, what do you do with your brother? What do you do without your brother? And so that's kind of my inspiration for the character of the protagonist, Abishay. He, um, you know, he's such a protectorate of his little sister, and that's right. That's what inspired me for the characters, at least. Awesome. And can you just give us a quick setup to the scene we're about to hear? Yes. So this is a scene um, after the girl, the sister, Jericho, and her brother, Abishay, have had kind of a little argument between each other. Um, and now Jericho's kind of trying to shirk that off and make things lighthearted again and connect with her brother again. And then a newcomer arrives. All right, awesome. Let's take a listen. I will not allow you to make me obsolete for your own happiness. Your selfishness is as immeasurable as your incompetence. Will your whining ever whittle away? Selfless or selfish, I will not make it my agenda to impregnate that which I've sworn to keep impregnable. They obstinately face away from each other. May we sing? Sing what? Whatever we want. I have long lost a luster for hearing my own voice. I need to rest. Now? Well, I fear that I don't find the time for sweet sleep when I must waste my hours carrying my deranged little sister. Perhaps if you didn't carry such a heavy ego, cradling your famined and meager sibling would not take such a toll on you. <laughs> Abishay takes his coat back. He throws it over himself and turns on his side, facing away from Jericho. Creator of day, you bring what you may. It could be so pretty, but probably just shitty. Nonetheless, it will be today. Fancy yourself a lyricist? No. I recall hearing Mother sing it. In that instance, she must have learned it from our father. The wit of the word seems to be more to his liking than Mother's. By what else would one call the greeter of the day? It is in reverence and reference to the sun. The sun will not so often show. But there is something you must know, whether life be happy or bleak, oh. Just always trust I love my little eco. Enough singing, please. Mother sang that song to me since my memory began. You would as well. I do not wish to hear any more about those who brought us into this barren world. How horrible and hateable you become with each passing moment. Our parents had hope for us. They had hope for this world which they voyaged to as well. But nothing remains as it once was. The same is said for your brother. Abishay, how much longer do you think we will live? I can't decide if I believe ten days or ten minutes is more attractive. With the way you waste your breath, I would say with certainty, you will be lucky to see the next ten seconds. The dawn is almost here. Stop prattling out idiocy. The planet is plagued in eternal night. I think I shall wait five minutes to go to sleep, but if my number is only ten, then I might wait the whole ten. Cease your useless banter, Jericho. Benaya can be seen entering from the side which the other two entered earlier. He approaches the siblings with caution. 
Well, I must say, this is certainly a surprise. Abishai jumps up and looks at, ben at Benaya. Jericho turns to look at him as well. Benaya grins. Who are you? Where did you come from? Ah, uh, forgive me. I am Benaya. I've been searching or wandering for a month or two. Seen a town or two here or there, but not a person. Dead or alive. We were certain we were the last. We are the last. Well, I assumed something of a similar sort. It's safe to surmise we were all wrong. Come now. You both look weak and tired. Have some water. Benaya holds out a canteen. Abishay takes it and inspects it. Where did you acquire this much water? Your worry wastes too much time. Give me some. Abishay hands the canteen to Jericho. There's a small stream not too far from here. Please lead us there. Calm down, Eko. Eko? Is that your name? I'm afraid your poor manners have prevented you from introducing yourselves. I see why you are hesitant. I swear to you, I mean you no threat. After all, aren't we the last? Oh, perhaps not. We both believed we were the end, then... We are the conclusion, Jericho. Jericho? Is that your full name? It's pretty. So, first off, before we go into that scene, can you just tell me a little bit about where the idea for Peace Alley came from? The, the whole concept of the world? Is it a world you'd created before the play, or did you just have the idea for this kind of dystopian survival story? Um, well, as I said, you know, the idea of no stars fascinated me. And I just, I, I pictured, you know, if there are no stars, why are there no star stars? How has humanity gotten rid of stars, per se? And so, with that in mind, you know, it, it just seems like there's no other choice but just this barren wasteland of a world at that point. Awesome. So, what about that scene in general, about the relationship between uh, Jericho and Abishai? Um, I just think it's, as I was talking earlier, you know, the relationship with the older brother just absolutely fascinates me. So it's, I just think it's so interesting and that scene is so great because it sets up their playful spirit between each other, you know, as siblings, but also a little bit of the tension between them in their opposing views. I think for me, what I thought was most interesting about this play, most unique about the plays that we have workshopped through ears, we've done more than a few at this point, mm -hmm. the language of this play mm -hmm. is really fascinating to me because it's, as I even said before the workshop, it's not really, it's not really full traditional classic, mm -hmm. but it definitely borrows elements from those style. Was there a certain genre that inspired the language of this, it's this kind of back and forth between the language and the setting? Yeah, um... Not really. The The inspiration for the language was actually it's kind of funny, I guess. Uh, I send, I'm all for funny. I sent the original script to one of my brothers who um, went to Shippensburg and graduated with a creative writing uh, major. And so I, you know, I send him different stuff every now and then that I write. And he sent it back and said, you know... I get, like, a Waiting for Godot sort of vibe for this, but the difference between... I, I totally get that. Yeah, but the difference between, Thank you like, again for pronouncing Godot correctly. <laughs> um, the difference between Waiting for Godot and this piece is, you know, when you have something that's not very action-heavy, you really need to rely on the language. So he told me, you know, go back and revise it and think about the language more and how to make it 
a written work. So I went back sort of with the idea of, you know, novella style, trying to write something that just, you know, has a beautiful flow to it and whatnot. And I'm really fascinated with alliteration. I definitely noticed. I mean, it, it yeah. flows really, really well. And I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. As someone who read this and worked on this play, it's the language is what still sticks with me. Um, particularly during the workshop, the one line I starred immediately, just that it's, it's like a song. The mm-hmm. whole It's like music, just saying these words. And I would love to... I'd love to work on the show in a more than one day format because yeah. just to have the time to get my tongue around some of those words and how they just how they just dance mm-hmm. uh, in this piece would be wonderful. So where, if you don't mind me asking, where was this play at? What draft were you on when you originally submitted it to us? When I originally submitted it, it was, I believe, my very first part of draft two. Um, I have them separated as like one, two, three, but you know right. there were a lot of little, little nuances. Like here. I could have made like a two point two and whatnot, yeah. and I think it was my original first draft of draft two, um, which was the very beginning of the use of language. And so now with this workshop that we just did, I it's actually like draft three point five, three point seven, yeah. something like that. We talked about this, um, and this kind of enters into the use of language, but there are very few contractions in mm-hmm. this. I think, uh, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but my character seems to be the only one that uses contractions. Was that intentional at all, or...? Um, yes and no. The idea was to create that character because he's separate from okay. the, the other two by not only age, but he's not family like they are. He has... You know, right. he's just a totally separate character with totally different morals and ideas going on. So it, the idea was to make him more of not simple, but you know, he wasn't as heightened and elegant with his language as the other two were. No, I totally get that. Um, and with you, there's a really unique opportunity to uh, talk about something here because you're the first playwright since we've been doing ears who has taken your work a step further with us. Um, I've definitely gotten feedback from the playwrights before that they've taken our feedback and been able to mold the play in the next direction, mm-hmm. um, but you allowed us to be a part of the process for that, and I thank you for that. Absolutely. Can you, it's been my pleasure. Oh, thank you. Um, can you just tell me real quick, before we get to the workshop, can you tell me what the process was like going from the feedback on the ears reading to bringing it back to the table in its new uh, form? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was sent the uh, the read from the ears reading and also, you know, your a brief feedback session from you guys, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it was affirmation to a lot of things that I wanted to hear about and also more questions for me to be able to delve into further. And it was absolutely fantastic. And... I was able to take almost all of that feedback and try to, you know, find different ways to work it in because it was all, it was really, truly great feedback. Um, so I worked, you know, I was working it in and I said, you know, with such great feedback, I absolutely want to keep taking this further with you guys because you've been so awesome in everything that you've helped me with in this play. So I thought it was really interesting when I read it that I, I've worked with people in the past, I've seen... Uh, things in the past where the the feedback 
can sometimes create almost a completely different play. Mm-hmm. And that's not really the case here. You seem to really, really understand what your own spine is, the own through line. But I did notice that a lot of the language was Titan, which I really liked. Yes. Uh, that, was, that was one of the joys for me in being able to be a part of the group that read it originally mm-hmm. at the first ears reading, coming back to it now. Um, so how how did our workshop today uh, help you kind of shape it? Was it better or worse being in the room with the actual text and being a part of the feedback? It, it was better like in my head sort of to be able to just instantly, you know, be making those adjustments and preparing, you know, what I'm going to do for the next draft. Um, And also the the opportunity for me to be able to ask questions right in the moment was really, really helpful. Um, So yeah, I I would say equally just as helpful as the last feedback. I will say what really helped me in the table work session and the, Uh, development of my character in the piece was you were very, very specific in when you asked a question or when you joined into a group question. And I I really liked that uh, because there were moments where, uh, obviously it's your right to not answer, but there were also moments where you could tell that we were on the brink of something and Mm. you gave us this nice little (laughs) nudge. Um, So what was that like just having those some of those answers in your head already and deciding when and where to prod us in the right direction or just let us develop what we make of the words? Honestly, it was a little nerve-wracking at times because <laughs> um, not for any reason on your guys' end. Um, it was just, you know, you guys were getting so much out of it and there were, like, little nuances that I wanted you to get, but sometimes I knew, you know, maybe in the next page, the the next line that pops up that relates to it will bring it out and they'll get it. But I, it's it's hard to not you there know were, there bring were a out couple yourself. moments where I could, you definitely seem teetering yeah. on the idea of saying something. <laughs> but at the same time, there were a lot of moments where we would say something, and you had a little bit of a grin, like. Um, hold on. And as soon as we turned the page and got, even though we'd read it before, so the process for those not familiar is we did a read through, we did the table work session, and then we did a final read through with the table work we did. And there would be so many moments where uh, Lauren, our, our director, Lauren Emshover, would ask us a question or an actor would ask a question um, or even somebody else in the room would just ask a question. We'd, turn the, we'd go back, we'd get to the next page, and the first line of the next page We'd all just look at each other and go, ah, mm, <laughs> that, gosh, I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, and that, it was it was just incredible how, because it's not necessarily a, a long piece. It's about, mm. about what is it, 27? 27 pages. Yeah, about a half hour yep. read, but there is so much. Even Lauren, I remember Lauren even said, like, after the first read, we built the schedule around it. Like, we remembered this play being an hour long. <laughs> I mean, I remembered it being, like, 40, 45 minutes, but just, like, so much happens from page one to twenty-seven. It's a whole journey. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to, you know, an earlier part of this interview. But do you tend to write more short form, short form stories, or do you write more full-length plays? Um, I, I so far the main plays that I've like truly finished and you know I've considered complete to the point where you know I'm a new artist now. I. It's not worth going back and trying to recreate them. 
Um, those are mostly 10-minute plays. I do, as I had stated earlier, I have the one-act play. It's about an hour long that um, is, you know, under a little bit... It's a little on the wayside right now because I'm working on Pizzolé, but it's it's definitely in need of revision, and I'm looking forward to revising that. And I have a few other plays in the making that I'm shooting for kind of that hour to an hour and a half, one-act sort of style. Um, and then... I do have this tiny little idea for a musical that I'm, I really want to start on, but unfortunately, yeah. music isn't my I exact have a lot expertise. Of, uh, a lot of those ideas kicking around in my head, and um, usually it's just a matter of I just go up to a friend at work and go, oh, here's an idea for a sketch. What if? And it never yeah. really goes further than that, but I, I have a lot of germs in my head that I would love to yeah. bring forth to the world at some point. Um, so I guess my last question just about Peace LA is where next? Uh, what, do you, what do you plan to ultimately do with this play? Well, I think the very next step is I, I think I would absolutely love to continue pursuing the process that you guys have at, at ERP. And also, you know, after that, down the road, I'd love to have, you know, send it out to some theater companies, maybe with the hope of, you know, someone producing it somewhere. And, you know, leading up to eventually getting it published. Fantastic. I cannot wait to see where this goes because, like I said, when I first read it, I had no idea what I was in for. All Lauren told me was that there was, uh, it was a more classical style of language. I had no idea the content. I love the blend of old and new. I just think that wherever this project goes, it's, whoever gets their hands on it is in for a really amazing journey. Um, and just to wrap up, like I wrap up every episode, just to kind of lighten things, because we were just talking pretty mm-hmm. heavy, uh, because it's a theater podcast, what is your favorite play, playwright, and genre? Oh, dear. Um, well, as I said, we're working on Harvey, so I'm pretty into Harvey right now. Such a by, good show. By such Mary a, Chase. Such an underrated, sometimes forgotten show that mm-hmm. always comes back around. Yeah. Um... But as I said, you know, I, I'm really attuned to comedy most of the time, and I don't think he's necessarily my favorite, but I do enjoy a good Neil Simon play every once in a while. Oh, no no need to be ashamed <laughs> of Neil Simon. He's amazing. I've done, I believe, two of his plays. I was mm. a young boy. I played Artie in Lost in Yonkers, and mm. then uh, years later, the doctor in uh, The Good Doctor, or yeah. the, the writer in The Good Doctor, mm. and it's, no, nah, he's good. That's the right answer. No, I'm kidding. Is that right or wrong? Um, And for anybody who's familiar with the show and has been following, you will know that uh, before the publishing of the last episode, uh, Bagheera the Foster Cat got adopted. So this is going to be the first episode that has not been interrupted by a cat. Um, Well, long story. We'll explain later, Titus. Um, Well, Titus, thank you again so much for coming on and talking with me today. And thank you so much for uh, letting us take Peace LA and help you get it to the next level. I really hope that. Uh, I get to be a part of the next step of Peace LA because I love this character and I love everything you have going with this play. Well, Titus, thank you again for joining us. And for any other playwright listening today, remember, if you have a play in development and you would like feedback, please send it to us at erpsubmissions at gmail.com. Remember, every story deserves to be heard, So join our elephant herd and let your story be told today. Tune in next time.
Thank you.